0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Gabby
1: Roslin Podcast. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Ahead of World AIDS Day, my guest this week is a filmmaker, the chairman of Elton John AIDS Foundation, a proud daddy, and a genuinely good guy. I'm delighted to welcome David Furnish to the show. He talks passionately about the foundation and the work it does around the globe. Together with his husband, Elton John, they want to make a difference and strongly believe that every life is precious and that no one is left behind. He talks about their boys, the trip that they've just had to Canada and the family's favorite card game. We both discuss our love of movies and we talk about the powerful impact that both of the TV shows It's a Sin and Pose have made over the past year. I honestly could have listened to David speak all day. He is a caring, thoughtful, kind man, and I do hope you enjoy our chat. For more information and to donate, go to Elton John Aids Foundation. That's all one word, org. That's elton John AIDS Foundation .org. Please, can I ask you a favor? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Lovely, lovely David.
2: <laughs> lovely, lovely Gabby.
1: Oh, how are you?
2: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. And how's Elton after the operation? Is he okay?
2: He's doing really well. It, it was a big success. Um, long overdue. Uh, so he he's feeling better, you know, almost immediately in, in his hip and in himself, which is great. And he's uh, embarked on a on an ambitious program of <laughs> rehab and recovery, um, which is great. And that's going very well. Uh, and, he's, he's, and he's actually really enjoying it. And he's making terrific progress. I was just away for half term. I took the boys to Canada um, and I came back. And the progress that Elton's made in just a week of, of me being away was incredible <laughs> to see. It's like, wow, okay, this is really going in the right direction.
1: I'm laughing because isn't it? It's that moment you go, oh, so you didn't need me. I know. It's those moments that you go, oh. It's when my my husband and and my youngest were away also um, for a few days and a half term and they came back and and actually I did the same thing to him as as Elton's done to you. And he went, oh, did you miss a went, No, do you know what? I got so much done. (laughs) And I I had that look that I'm sure you gave your husband exactly the same look. He
2: did say he missed us terribly. So um, having spent so much time together during lockdown and seeing... As a family, all of us seeing each other every single day, which was heaven. Um, I think. I think you know when we disappeared for a week on, on half term break, which which we need, the boys needed to do. They needed a, a proper break, and I wanted to go back to Canada to see my family. Um, I, I think it actually ends up being a big a big quiet quiet old empty house for him.
1: Does he do what I do? Because I talk to myself. If when when Elton's and the and the boys are away, and you're in the house on your own, any you, uh, do you ever do the thing? I suddenly found myself after two days talking to myself realized. uh, Ridiculous, but I do.
2: He's become obsessed with FaceTime. (laughs) He just FaceTimes the world all the time. He (laughs) Cold FaceTimes people. So he doesn't sort of, you know, give people the advance notice to say, I'm going to FaceTime you. And the look on people's faces when they randomly get these FaceTime calls for him, because he's just he's just discovering it's such an easy way to connect with people because he doesn't actually like talking on the phone very much. He's a very sort of, you know, get things done kind of person. So I think he finds the phone a bit a bit um, waffly from time to time. So he he FaceTime. the immediacy of it just absolutely works for him. So he's always, always FaceTiming people.
1: Oh, so he didn't need to talk to himself. I had to that moment where I just, I realised that I was, I was giving myself a commentary in the kitchen when I was doing the supper and they weren't here. It was like, Oh, where's the red onion? Oh, I did ridiculous things I was doing. And then I thought, no, I think I might have to stop.
2: <laughs> Just in case somebody's listening.
1: Just in case. So did you have a good time in Canada before you were a Pringle? I saw the photograph. You yeah. was a Pringle. I know, a hot and
2: spicy Pringle. That's what the devil horns were all about. Um, we had a lovely time. You know, lockdown was hard for a whole bunch of reasons for so many people, but... Um, not being able to see my my brothers in Canada for yeah. two years, uh, and we lost um our dad during lockdown um and it was impossible to go home for me to go home and to say goodbye and to you know support them in getting everything in order and I just felt such a profound sense of gratitude you know they they dealt with it all so elegantly um and so selflessly and and uh you know you you, you don't want to take familial support like that for granted. you really want to you know wrap your arms around. Family in a situation like that as soon as you possibly can, um, and our our boys absolutely love Canada. Um, so it was a, it was a perfect perfect opportunity to reconnect and to do something with them that they loved. And Zachary, our oldest, is become completely obsessed with fly uh, with fishing, and so um, he's done lake fishing, he's done deep sea fishing, um, but he hasn't done fly fishing. So we were able to get a couple of days up north um, and introduce him to fly fishing, which he absolutely loved.
1: Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a simple, lovely thing. You know, I, I, the, I mean, I'm so, so, I'm so sorry about, about your dad. I really am. And lockdown was, was just awful and evil for so many people and they're having to be kept apart. But there's something quite wonderful you say about going out there And fly fishing, I mean, that's such a simple, quiet, peaceful thing to do. I love that you took him off to do that. That's very special.
2: I love that he's embraced fly fishing so much because, you know, there's so many distractions for kids today with phones and iPads and and video games and Internet and television and everything. And the fact that he's chosen himself. I mean, I, I caught sunfish off a dock when I was 10 in Canada that's the extent of my (laughs) fishing experience and Elton I don't think has ever fished at all um and the fact that he's he's run into this and he enjoys it so much um I'm just thrilled with because you know it's outdoors and it's it's in the fresh air and it's also really meditative um you know to have the patience and and to get the joy out of standing um and and catching fish you know in any environment and let's face it it's you know, fishing is a lot of lot of waiting around, <laughs> um, and he, he it's his happy place. He just goes straight into it, um, and he's taken it all on himself. Aww. We um, he, first thing he wanted to do when the shops open was go to a, a fishing shop. So we we went to the local um, fishing shop, and we walked in the door, and he grabbed a basket, and he's like, "This is the reel I need. This is the rod." I need this fish food. I need a floater. I need a sinker. I need Oh my this. God.
1: Where did this all come from? That
2: was my question. I'm like, where did you learn all of this? <laughs> where did this come from? And he's just gleaned it from different people um, that have come across his path. He's he's learned a lot about it on YouTube. Um, he's there's, there's angling magazines you can get uh, in the news agents here in Britain. So he's picked up a lot of those. And he's just, it's like a, this big smorgasbord for him. He's just dived into all aspects of it and he was really researching it and he's knowing knows it so well now um it's amazing to see really amazing
1: it is when when you mention all the distractions because there's so much you know we all do it i'm sure you get you do as well but you suddenly realize oh my god half an hour is gone and i'm scrolling through this or i'm looking at that or i'm checking this or i'm writing another email but actually getting out and i i swear by it i'm i bore everybody because i like to walk i walk about uh, up to 10 miles a day and i go from meeting to meeting just walking and i tell you what that is what it has done for me physically and mentally is incredible and that's the same thing as your baby boy being out there in the fresh air i mean that i love that more parents should be doing this with their kids
2: well, he, he, as I said, he he ran into it himself. I mean, I, I think the job of every parent is to introduce your children to as many opportunities as possible with a big, broad, open mind, experience and try different things. And when you find they identify those things or they feel a, a real calling to a particular particular you know, activity or a sport or, or a musical instrument or whatever, I think you just want to do everything you can to encourage it and to support it. Um, you know, because it, it is such a, a very, very special thing um, for that to happen because for it to come along naturally to appeal yeah. to them, you know, so strongly is, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a golden gift.
1: I, I, so I've been to Canada once when I was filming about we were doing a story about um, killer whales and it was for a tv show killer whales and we were doing grizzly bears and we went we flew over into canada we went to this incredible inuit community and and i honestly i remember thinking and this is a strange thing to say but i remember thinking how fresh it smelled the whole canada smelt like nowhere else i've ever been it smelled of fresh air does that make sense?
2: To visit an Inuit community, you were probably, you know, quite a ways up north. It's a beautiful country, a spectacularly beautiful country. And so much of it is is unoccupied and is just natural and open and, and beautiful and gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's 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 I, I appreciate Canada more and more since I've moved away, interestingly enough. And that was a very long time. It was over 30 years ago. I, I moved to the UK, um, but every time I go back, I appreciate it more and more for a whole, whole bunch of reasons. Um, but, but that, that real kind of connection with nature and the outdoors and, and the purity of everything is, is really special.
1: Yeah. And no, that's a very special place. Um, so I'm pleased you had a nice, a uh, nice holiday. Let, let's get on to um, one of the things I really want to talk to you about is cause a mutual friend of ours, uh, got us in touch. I know you yes. and I've met on a couple of occasions when uh, I was giving Elton award and gave you an award. And weirdly, you might not remember this, but we did something long 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 time ago which was the student fashion awards yes and there's a wonderful quote where you say um everybody should have one suit tailor-made and then they've got to look after it and i love that that's something that just and it was something to do with your uh late dad wasn't it that he was really into all of that Um uh, my
2: my dad my dad um was always very very well turned out um we we didn't have a lot of money growing up my my mom made all her own clothes um because there wasn't the money for her to buy them um and she was actually a really <laughs> amazing seamstress and my my dad because he was a businessman he needed suits to go to work um he didn't have very many suits but the suits that he had were beautifully made um by a you know a small sort of above the shop kind of tailor, nothing, you know, Savile Rowish or fancy, but a real craftsman and someone that understood and appreciated, you know, what, what went into the making and tailoring of a beautiful suit. So dad really appreciated that. And he also took care of his clothes so um, beautifully. And, and that was why they didn't have much money. He didn't have very many options to choose from, but he always looked immaculate because he just, you know, cared for everything that he had and respected it so well, um, and I, you know, that rubs off on you when you're a kid. Um, you you learn you learn a lot from that.
1: What you guys have done, I didn't realize the extent actually of what you guys have done. And I know that sounds a funny leap from me saying about you looking after yourself, but it's you want to then put it out to everybody else. You're going, you know what? Let's look after each other. And your whole tagline is every life. Um, has equal value and never leave anyone behind. And yeah. I just feel that that's how you've been brought up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the the journey to any happy life starts with self-love and self-respect. And and a disease like HIV AIDS, um, unfortunately, you know, really affects a lot of the most marginalized people in, in our society um, who already feel less than, um, they don't feel more than, uh, and, and HIV seems to find its way into these vulnerable communities, um, and, and continues to, 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 to grow disproportionately within very specific communities, but where people, you know, perhaps don't, don't have the opportunity or or the ability to, to love themselves and respect themselves as much as, as they can. And, you know, every human soul deserves love and deserves redemption, um, and We've long made it a mission of the foundation to put our arms around absolutely everybody mm. that is at risk from this disease and is and is living um, with this with this disease um, to make sure that everybody has access to care and compassion and treatment. Um, Elton wrote a wonderful philanthropic memoir called "Love Is the Cure," um, and that that really is you know if we can just love. Our fellow, man, person, woman, more and more, just that little bit more, uh, we can heal so much in our world. I know that sounds really woke and hokey, and there'll be people no, rolling their eyes, but but it, 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 if we can just think about our, our, our fellow fellow person um, and, and put our arms around them and support them and try to understand what they're going through and what they're dealing with um, and offer, you know, support it's it's amazing. It, it, the work I do with the foundation when I go out in the field, and I'm long overdue for another field trip. But when you see people who are struggling, and are have been dealt a rough hand in life, when you just start them down the path of being able to lift themselves up and, and support themselves and support their communities better, it's amazing to see the human spirit kick in. And it just flies from that moment on. It's not like a bunch of people sitting around moaning and wailing and complaining about, you know, their lot in life and, and wanting a handout quite the opposite. They just want to be, have their hands held at the beginning. They want to be shown the way. And then the minute they see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, they're off running for it. Um, and it's, it's a really inspiring thing to see. Um, and it has, a it has so much to do with the success successes that we've been able to have, um, with HIV AIDS, um, over the past, you know, 30 years, um, the way, the way that communities have responded, um, and, and no community initially more aggressively and more compassionately than the, than the the gay community, the LGBT community, um, when AIDS first reared its ugly head in the eighties and very, very much, you know, decimated one community and how that community pulled together and galvanized, to, you know, make extraordinary change um, socially, educationally, and in terms of medical advances. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, if you look at the history of ACT UP in America, uh, ACT UP in France, uh, you know, the pressure they put on the governments and on pharmaceutical companies to, to really move things along at a, at a much, much quicker pace. It, it changed the game um, for the trajectory of this disease. Um and that's all through community self-love and community support. Um it it works.
1: Did you I mean going back, because you and I um both obviously know people who have um passed with um AIDS and looking back to those friends of mine who I mean I, I, I'll never forget their faces in those final final few weeks of their lives. And the, the, i I wish, oh God, I wish they were still here on the planet now, of course I do, but I wish they were here to see what's happened in thirty years. I mean it is incredible what's happened and what the the huge change when it was first started in the eighties and then in the early nineties, what it was like, and people's Id- ignorance ignorance about mm. it i mean i i remember I remember going and visiting a friend uh, in a certain mission in the east of east end of london and it was very well known and i just quietly went off um to go and see people and i had a taxi driver refuse to let me in the taxi afterwards and um i remember going being dropped off at another place and the taxi driver screaming at me and spitting and just going what are you you're going to give me everything you're evil you're evil I, I mean, I and that was just a, a, a few. I mean, I had this happened a few
2: times, but God, I, I, that please tell me that that has lessened now. It's certainly lessened in in you know parts of the world where access to education and treatment um, has been you know much more robust. We've learned so much uh, over the past years. There's there's greater awareness of what you know living your life positively means and it is an amazing thing now the 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 life that people can live with HIV um you know on something as simple as one one pill a day which is yeah. really easy with very rarely does it have the side effects of the earlier medications and most importantly when your um disease is properly managed by one pill a day you don't pass the virus on to someone else so so treatment is actually prevention i mean that is an amazing position to be in versus where we were 25 and 30 years ago, that where there was nothing, there was no hope at all, other than, you know, nutrition, love, palliative care. Um, That was what we had in the menu of things to choose from. And we, and we did did the best we could, but to have access to these, these medications and and treatments now is extraordinary. Unfortunately in other parts of the world, um, particularly parts of the world where there is a lot more, LGBT discrimination, parts of Eastern Europe, uh, parts of uh, Russia, parts of um, Africa, uh, the deep South in America with you know deeply Christian communities and some of the prejudice that that brings out, the judgmentalism that gets brought out, the lack of access to healthcare, the lack of access to education um hiv seems to dig in really well in those environments um and and you know affects people very very disproportionately and and as a result there's a lot of still a lot of outdated perceptions like you get hiv you die you get hiv it's a gay disease it means you're gay um <laughs> you know n- n- none of those things are true and and they don't apply anymore. You know, 75 million people on the planet were infected with HIV. Um, it's, it's the world's largest disease. This disease knows no boundaries. Uh, it, it, everyone is at risk of contracting HIV. Um, and unfortunately within, again, parts of the world, you know, when you have LGBT discrimination, um, unfortunately that just washes over HIV AIDS in its entirety across the entire population. So if, it's, if you're in a, let's say you're somewhere where it's illegal to be gay, um, and there are parts of the world like that, or you're deeply discriminated against, nobody wants to present for an, an HIV test, whether they're gay, straight, whatever. Okay. Nobody wants to pick up their medication. Nobody wants to adhere to their medication, which is important. You, you take a pill a day, you have to continue to take a pill a day, day for the rest of your life. Um, but it does have this knock-on effect that, that further um, stigmatizes uh, HIV across all of society. Um, and as a result, people don't present for testing more. They, they don't talk about living with HIV in, in a positive way. Um, they don't present themselves as an example of someone who, who does live a full and happy, healthy life, um, with their, their disease properly managed. Um, and, and in the darkest shadows of society is when, um, things, you know, there, where there's no light, um, is where things get out of control, and 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 where a disease like HIV really, really roots in, uh, and and that's that's where we as a foundation are are turning our focus. And as you rightly pointed at the beginning, no no one gets left behind. That is that is our our motto. Um, it's something that Elton is passionate about. Uh, and if we don't if we don't put our arms around everybody, HIV will continue to flourish um, and 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 grow in our society. When it's completely preventable and treatable now that that's the that's the greatest crime, the fact that with the medications we have at at our hands today not with not not a cure, not a vaccination, not not you know just just the medications to treat or prevent the spread of HIV, we could have no new HIV infections tomorrow if everybody had access to HIV testing and access to treatment. Isn't that incredible? But there's tons of barriers that we have to continue to knock down on the way in order to get to that point. And we think we can get to that point by 2030. That is that is the trajectory that we're on. That is something that UNAIDS uh, believes is achievable as, as do, does everyone at the Elton John AIDS Foundation, but we can't take our foot off the accelerator and we're living, you know, COVID has really taken its toll on um, our planet. It's put our health systems under extraordinary strains. It's caused our governments to dig deeper and deeper um, to fund you know, the, the support of society through a global health crisis. And you know, we've cut foreign aid in Britain. Uh, we've, we, we've gone back on our commitment that we made to give a certain percentage of our GDP to, to, to foreign aid. And if we start cutting vital HIV programs, uh, if we stop funding them, then we will, we will start to lose the ground that we've gained. Um, and we will start to see a rise and an increase in uh, new HIV infections. So we, we, have to, we have to keep going. We have to keep our foot on the pedal.
1: What, what I find so extraordinary is that when I was younger and there were everyone was talking about it and there were the adverts on television with the tombstones, which everybody remembers who was around then, and then nobody talked about it. And I remember um doing doing work uh with um uh, on with HIV and AIDS and people looking at me going why are you still talking about this it doesn't exist anymore mm. and, and so people think and now obviously because of COVID people they that's at the forefront of their mind and understandably understandably for a lot of people that is but but it hasn't gone away and the fact that you've just said by twenty thirty your foundation. Believes that, that that this can be a thing of the past. That is incredible. This is something that we should all be talking about. This should be discussed all the time.
2: We should. And and there, you know, if you look at all the diseases that affect our society, I mean, the fact that we've made such extraordinary progress in such a relative short period of time to end the world of it of the greatest disease that affected our planet is an is a remarkable, extraordinary achievement. Yeah, and it's a goal that's within our sights. And that's something that we focus on with our fundraising. We just say, you can be part of you know, ending the world of, the, of, of its greatest disease. We, it just needs consistent support and, a, and, and an ongoing effort to, to finish the job properly and not lose the ground that we've gained.
1: And uh you talk about it with the foundation uh and Elton talks about it as well. And it is, kindness is so important. We know there are bigots out there. We don't need to get, we, we're we absolutely aware of that. Sadly, there are people out there who uh, are anti. I have to say, I th- when I saw you a couple of weeks ago, I said to you that I love the thought that my kids, who are both teenagers, they both, they don't know a world that gay people th- didn't marry. Yeah, they don't. They they think it's completely. You know, yeah, they've got friends who've got two mums, two dads. It's they don't even
2: totally link to them.
1: Yeah, It's that's part of a life and, and the world and but but they and when they watched, it's a sin. Um, they just went, but this is really recent history. Yeah, people being treated like this. But what's happened to the kindness that everybody went on about last year? You know that it's. It seems to have turned a bit again, and isn't kindness just the simplest thing that we should all be doing?
2: Well, it costs you nothing. <laughs> yeah it's easy to do and it's and it's easy to give. Um, I think yeah there's a there's a lot of noise in the world today. There's a lot of um uncontrolled uh biased noise being being spouted in a lot of different directions. Um, I think, you know, the internet for all the wonderful things that it's brought to our world. I think in a lot of respects, it has a lot to answer for. You know, when, when you and I grew up, we all went home every night and we watched the same six o'clock or seven o'clock yeah. news. News was something that was produced, you know, within inside a television network, news divisions were sacrosanct divisions of, of media companies. They were They were not allowed to be biased. It was important that they reported the news as it was. And now, uh, nowadays, um, news comes from all sorts of unregulated sources. Um, the growth and the, and, the, and the capitalization and spreading of news actually is enhanced by pandering to bias. So and, and then the, the, the Internet itself is, is rigged in a way that it serves you more of what you like. So if you have a particular political view and that's what you click on, Your news feeds and your Google feeds and all your other feeds are going to continue to give you more of what you already know, as opposed to a balanced central point of view that we all used to have, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, where we all were basically getting the same news. Um, and, And I think that's unfortunately divided our society. I think it's made a lot of people a lot angrier. Um, I think it's made them feel, uh, you know, and in some cases, rightly so. There's a lot of inequity in our society right now, and a lot of things yeah. we're working hard to 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 redress. Um, but I think a lot of people are are unfortunately the the objectivity that we we had in a, in a, in our news based society before just doesn't exist in the way that it did, and it's it's carving our world up, it's dividing our world up, and and um, it's it's upsetting to me um, because. I look at the progress we've made with HIV AIDS, you know, one of the big reasons it's such a extraordinary success. And I, I look at, you know, the American government who got on board early, you know, the PEPFAR program was a groundbreaking, huge, you know, multi-billion dollar global initiative. That was a non-partisan effort. That was, you know, both sides of the aisle in the American House of Congress and Senate, you know, coming together for the greater good. And when we as a society can put our differences aside and can come together, you know, we can make anything happen. Anything is possible. And, and HIV AIDS within the American government to this day is one of the last surviving nonpartisan uh, programs on, on Capitol Hill. Unfortunately, we've all stood by and watched it. America is a very, you know, angry divided country at the moment. Um, and it's a real, and, and, and the kindness disappears. <laughs> it, it evaporates. And it's a real shame to see that happening um, because the opposite is just such an amazingly powerful, potent thing. When we do pull together, we can make anything happen. And you're kind of seeing it happening um, with COVID and with people's attitudes towards vaccination and masking. And, and I think, unfortunately, there is a lot of polit- politicization of public health in relation to COVID, and a lot of mixed and inconsistent messaging. And I think it's, again, allowed people to be pulled into these disparate um, groups where there isn't a common, commonly held view in the way that there used to be anymore. Um, and it's pitting people against each other. Uh, and that's when the kindness disappears. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, it's it, it frightens me. And it's something as apparent. parent, I, I put, Elton and I put a lot of effort in with our boys to debate, to open their minds to other points of view, to, you know, hopefully develop skills of critical thinking, like being able to get information from numerous sources and to really get to the bottom of of what you hopefully find to be the closest thing to truth um, and an informed point of view, as opposed to always just going to one source and always just, you know, closing your mind down to other possibilities.
1: But how wonderful for them, you know, that that... What they're seeing that you two do, and I think you know, all kids look to their parents when then when they're younger. Wait till you you haven't got reached the the teenage proper teenagers. Oh, good luck! (laughs) Good luck!
2: Oh, good luck! (laughs) Yeah,
1: you get you kiss them on the top of the head uh, at the night. You go no night, and they go no night, no night, and then they come out the next morning, and it is literally who has just come out of their bedroom? <laughs> just warning you in the nicest possible way. But then they come back again. But but what you're giving them in in seeing the foundation, actually, is that's about, and I'm going to go back to the word kindness, that is about helping everybody. As you say, every life is equal and never never leave anyone behind. So how amazing that they've got that as a way of looking at the world. All kids should have that. You know, that's how all of us, and when we're young, should be taught should be shown the way you know everyone's equal do good be kind
2: yeah i mean it it, it's you know it's at the core of our of our entire existence um we we live an extraordinarily blessed life we're we're very very lucky with the life that we live and both Alton and i feel quite strongly that with a life like that you have a have a profound responsibility to give back You know, when life is good to you, you need you need to turn that back and and be good to other people. Um, That's essential. Uh, And as two gay men that survived HIV/AIDS in the '80s, um, and it's so great that series like "It's a Sin" and you look at um, Pose. You know, sort of actually the whole narrative of Pose plays over um, the 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 early years of the of the uh, and the developments of the AIDS um, epidemic. we mustn't forget we 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 mustn't forget the price that people paid and how bleak and how dire and how difficult yeah. it was um a i think it's always important to remember history but b it reminds us we can overcome difficult times and difficult things if we just pull together and if we if we put our put our hearts and our minds and our resources you know towards the greater good we can make anything happen
1: i get the feeling from you that you're you're you know what you want and you're quite determined. And I mean that. In a, I, I say that, you know, people say that of me and I always think, oh, what do you mean? But actually, I get it because you you knew you wanted to do films, but you thought advertising was the way in because they were little films. Yep. And then you'd rocket pictures and all of the things that you've done. And you seem to do it with this incredible... Okay, with, this, with a smile on your face. That's the simplest way of, <laughs> of putting it. But you do. And is it... Is it, where does this drive come from?
2: I don't know. I think I think you're, you know, you have your passions in life. You're 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 born with them. Um, you know, as a as a kid growing up in a very unfashionable suburb and what, what was what was deemed to be an unfashionable suburb of Toronto. Um, you know, the world of cinema, the world of music, the world of theatre. Um, you know, the arts in general for me were like a passport. They were an opportunity to, you know, look at the world in a different, you know, more colorful and enjoyable way. And I learned so much from from going to the movies. Oh, which
1: films? Which which movies did you see that made you think, "Oh, look what's outside of?" Oh my god! Here. I mean,
2: I I mean, just everything. I mean, it 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 whether it was fantasy filmmaking. Um, I I I worked in a video store um and i you know i used to go home with like you know 10 cassettes under my arm every night because i could yes and i and i just watched like the early mgm musicals i watched you know the great cinema of the 70s you know the scorseses and the coppolas and the the you know amazing places that cinema could could go in terms of shining a light on you know different elements and facets of society and then you know the 80s when it became much more you know the post kind of Star Wars era where it became about you know larger than life entertainment and escapism. Um, I just loved cinema in all of its shapes and forms, um, and and it I just had real fire in my belly where that was concerned. Um, I ran my my university film society when I was at university before, again before <laughs> dating myself before you know home video. Uh, we had a repertory cinema on campus. And so we would on Friday and Saturday nights screen two movies a night. We had a projection group yes! and projectors and, and I got to, to work with a group of people and choose the films and program that and do the ads and the promotion and everything. And I just loved it. And I, and I, I took some film courses at university. I learned about great auteurs like Hitchcock, um, and Howard Hawks and, um, William Wyler, uh, Robert Altman, we did some Scorsese, we did some Coppola. We really got into, you know, great auteurs uh of filmmaking and and I don't know, just the the the, pas- the passion was there and I I was persuaded by my parents, you know, I wanted to be an actor as well. I did lots and lots of theater and 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 musical theater and drama in high school. My parents um you know, persuaded me that getting an education, getting some sort of foundation of education in place first would be a wise thing to have to take take me through life and something that I could always rely on. So all my friends left high school to go off and pursue acting in different shapes and forms. And I went off to study business, <laughs> which was <laughs> kind of putting a square peg in a round hole. Um, but uh, in the midst of all of that, you know, I found the, the, the University Film Society that I could be a part of. I worked in the video store that I loved. I took the film courses that I, I was talking about. I could take those in addition to the intensive business studies that I was doing. And as you rightly pointed out, when I got out of university, the closest I could get to making films was making small films with, with advertising. And that was the, the, the stepping stone um, to, to, to get me to where I am today. Uh, where I, I love working um, and, and creating films and entertainment. I love working in theater, um, working on television. Um, what, what an amazing opportunity to be able to help shape culture um, and to be able to help create things that hopefully people like and hopefully they find entertaining and informative, and, and um, that they take a little bit of it with them as they as they go go forward in their lives. That that's a a wonderful wonderful thing oh. to be able to play a part of. And you, you, and you, as someone who works in media, and you know you've been in people's lives, and and you've been, you've done so much great work with television. I mean, with, when you do television, you're in people's homes, you know, every day, um, and you really become a part of their life, and that that's a that's an awesome opportunity and also a huge responsibility, um, and it's the sort of thing you know. You must, we must never take for granted.
1: Oh, completely. We're blessed. We're absolutely blessed. But 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 when you're saying about films, it's because um, I do a, a, a film show as well on the radio, and then we're doing a live show of it. But but films there is something incredible you all the films that you were mentioning and um, the the big musicals i loved the big musicals oh my word when i was growing up and then the 80s films i still go back and i've introduced them to my kids all the big 80s brat pack films and all of those the are, Indiana
2: Jones is and the back to the future yes! the, you know they're all it's you know amazing amazing evolution in cinema
1: they really are but but then then the, i'm just thinking about that cuz my kids they because when Nomeo and Juliet came out, oh that how cute! Oh my word, how cute is that? And then obviously Billy Elliot the musical. I remember going to see it. I I actually have lost count of how many times I went to see it because I had friends in it. But all of these things that it's it's all it it's that like I said, it's you were quite determined because you've gone out, you've done it. My God, you've done it. And then obviously, Rocket Man and Tantrums and Tiara, all of these things, but you've done it. How exciting is that? That little boy that wanted to do it. It's like, my God, I've done it.
2: In, in, incredib- incredibly lucky, <laughs> very blessed, also very fortunate, you know, through my relationship with Elton um, and his passion, our, our shared passion for, for the projects that we've worked on together. You know, it's afforded me some extraordinary opportunities. Um, to be able to, to collaborate with him.
1: Yes, but you as well. Come on, I'm, we're talking Of course, who? but I
2: don't, you know, it, it, it's really hard, really tough getting, getting films made, getting theatrical shows up and running successfully, getting um, television, you know, great television made. It is a collaborative effort. It really is something that yeah. takes a yeah. team of people um, to, to really share the passion and share the belief um, to, to make something, you know, great. I always say when people are really hard on a, on a particular film or, or a piece of entertainment, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's really hard to get a film made and nobody ever sets out to make a bad film. Like everybody sets out believing they're going to create something that, that hopefully the world's going to like, unfortunately, you know, there's so many factors at play. They don't often turn out the way that people hope they did, or, or the concept just doesn't, doesn't, you know, hold water. Um, but everybody tries to create something special and to create something magical. Um, and, uh, I just, I just feel very lucky that the, all the things that I've worked on, I'm incredibly proud of. Um, I, I hope they'll stand the test of time. Um, they've been a, it's been a joy working with the people that I've worked with. I have, I I love working with Elton because he's so enthusiastic. He's so creative. Um, he's also very hands-off he doesn't. He doesn't micromanage the process. He does what he does well, and then he hands it over to the everyone else that works on a on a particular you know film or show or whatever. And he really um, you know gives them the confidence to go out and do their best, rather than breathing down everyone's neck and 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 you know making everybody second guess what they're doing all the time. Um, he's he's great, and and then just the people I've been able to to work with. You know, the Rocket Man very recently you know Matthew Vaughn uh when he and I started discussions about working together on Rocketman um I mean that was just the greatest that we we'd been trying for years to get that film off the ground I mean 11 years it took to, to bring it to the screen and that's the f- life film story of of Elton John you know one of the world's biggest biggest musical artists um it's hard to get films made and and Matthew you know brought such passion and and such experience uh to the to the show he brought to my attention that Taryn Edgerton, you know, who I thought was a, a terrific actor, Incredible. was a great was a great singer. I didn't know Taryn could sing. And then Dexter Fletcher, who directed it, you know, did such a great job, all the crew, all the cast, everybody was, you know, a- amazing to work with. It 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 takes a team to move a mountain like that. Like it 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 really does. Um and I guess the reason I look so happy, as as you it's just so nice of you to say, is, you know, when you get there in the end and you're really proud of what you've achieved, my God, you're like, you're over the moon happy. Um, cause it, cause it, it's a, it's a real, it's a real journey. It's a, it's a journey with ups and downs and, and it's never a straightforward trajectory. It's, it never turns out the way that you plan it to go. Um, there's always all sorts of surprises along the way, but when you finally get there and you're really proud of what, what you've done, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful.
1: Do you know, I hear that there's a word that people say about you. Um, we know uh, we have mutual friends and the word that they always say is that you're uh, incredibly loyal and which I think is a wonderful thing for people to say. And um, that that's that's a powerful thing to have said about you, isn't
2: it? Yeah. And, and it, it's interesting. It's one of the very first things that drew me to Elton. We um, you know when I came into this this world, we celebrated our 28th anniversary on Saturday it was 28 years ago on Saturday we, we met thank you for the very first yeah, time at the
1: dinner party wasn't it a dinner party that you didn't want to go to dinner
2: party I didn't want to go to here at the house <laughs> of Windsor I didn't know what to expect um I, I it all happened at the last minute there was no time to kind of prepare or psych yourself up for something like that and I just went along with sort of very little expectations and not really having followed Elton for a period of time I was a huge fan in the 70s um, I, I didn't follow him quite as closely in the eighties. I loved, um, too low for zero and, and sleeping with the past, but, but I hadn't, you know, been as invested in his music as I was earlier on. And I just thought, well, maybe I'd walk in the front door and there'd be a guy who would just sit on the sofa and regale us with stories of his greatness. And we'd all you know, <laughs> hope on admirably and, and say, Oh yes, isn't that wonderful. And that isn't who Elton was at all. He was gracious he was humble he was funny as hell he was so funny and he was more interested in all of us and what we did and what our lives were all about and and he wasn't self-aggrandizing at all and as we started to kind of you know walk the, the the steps of testing the waters of you know a relationship all those things flood into your head about hang on a minute this isn't just anybody this is Elton John and this is the type of thing that you know once it's in the public, it will be there forever and it could, you know, affect the course of your life. And there's all a million and one stories about, you know, the relationship instability of people from that world. And so you think, you know, is it is it worth investing the time? But one of the things that I was so um reassured by with Alton was his loyalty. Um, you know, all of the people that were working with him in the house here had been with him for years and years and years. You know, people that worked on his tour. His his tour director, some his sound man had been with him since the 70s. His band, I mean, Nigel Olson's been his drummer since since you know the very first Elton John album. Davy Johnston's been with him since 1974, I think, or 75. Amazing. I looked at all of that. And even though Elton had a had a patchy personal life, um, professionally, he and, and in his and in his home environment, he had he was a deeply loyal person and had extraordinary longevity in relationships. So so that's something that we definitely bonded over. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, if you don't have loyalty in life, what do you have? I mean, I, 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 th- th- there's nothing I find more unsettling than shifting sands. I, I find it hard to do business. I find it hard to conduct relationships in any shape or form if it's not based on a foundation of trust and, and longevity and continuity. Um, it's when people, you know, suddenly reveal sides of themselves or, or, you know, go back on something that they promised or agreed. I I always find that really difficult and unsettling and loyalty lifts you out of all of that because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, reassuring aspect to life when, when you respect it and when you, when you, um, you know, pay credence to it, it's, it's a great thing.
1: It's interesting you said another word there that I, 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 cause I wonder when you're in the position that you two are. And because you're, you're known throughout the world. There must be very difficult to trust people. I remember having a, a conversation with Elton about we, I just, he just been given an award and somebody came over and was gushy, 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 gushy. And I think I, like, cause I say what I think. And I said, ooh, that person just was being gushy <laughs> because you're Elton John. And he went, yeah, I know. And it was just, it was like, huh, I know. I'm used to it, but it must be tough about the people that you let in. And trusting them because your life is private, and I I will stand by that with any of the fabulous people that I've spoken to. That your private life is your private life. I am not interested at all. So letting people in, is, it is it must that must come down to trust.
2: Well, it's 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 sacred. It's a it's a sacred yeah. part of part of your life, and you know when a big aspect of your life is lived in the public eye. Um, you know what what you what you keep back what you hold back is is very very special and precious and it's actually for your mental health and your wellness it's and your well-being it's really important that you you preserve that part of your life i think one of the reasons why our our sons are so grounded um you know at the moment is that you know their daddy comes home from being Elton John and doing big concerts and he's just daddy like he doesn't he doesn't bring that into the household he wants to know who won the football he wants to you know play a game of 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 uno or snakes and ladders he wants to talk about someone else's music or a great song that he's heard or or you know uh, something that's happening politically um he doesn't that you have to create that division in your life it's it's really important it's really healthy it's it's the same thing as if you you know you brought your work into your home all the time um you have to have those moments where you you switch off and where you you just get to let your hair down and and be the person that you are um and that you want to be and so that's that separation between the two is is really important and and Elton and I will always fiercely fight to protect that um it is a vital component to our to our our stability and it's really important where our our kids are concerned and i i had a lot of fun in the 90s in the And the noughties. in London, I went out a lot more. I went to more events and parties and red carpet things. and yeah, I was I was away touring. Um, it was a lot of fun, and also it was interesting to watch the change in acceptance of a of an LGBT couple kind of you know emerge and to to play a small part of that. But now that I have children, I want anonymity more than anything. There's nothing I like more than I take the boys to Windsor on the weekend. Um, you know, they can't walk down the streets without, and it's just not possible, but they can walk down the streets with me and we can go to pizza express and we can go into the bookstore and we can, you know, get a donut and whatever. And nobody pays any attention to us. Um, and I just think that's really, really important, um, for them, uh, so that they have, you know, the most natural, you know, unaffected, uh, interaction with the outside world because they, they have to be Little people and individuals in their own right they they can't they can't have that thrust upon them. I think it's really important that you know in life we all get to be the people that we want to be um and that we need to be and that we're and follow the passions that we believe in and to have you know the the external pressures of of that association. you know it can be a really unhealthy thing
1: yeah, I love the idea that you' all sit there playing uno, I yeah. drives me mad, uno oh uno, my God, uno mad,
2: uno flip. Um, Uno Extreme. It seems like every Christmas, as I'm as I'm scouring the aisles of our local department store looking for for things for the boys' stockings, there's always a new version of someone at Uno is extremely clever because they keep coming up with all these great new versions of Uno. Um, and and yeah, no, we love we love a good game of Uno.
1: Oh, now now, thank you. You've given me some ideas for the Christmas stocking. Oh my word! I d- I thought that was just Uno Uno. I, I oh feel like I've oh out. my
2: god! There's a Cornucopia of Udo's out there. <laughs> you just need to dive in, Gabby. It's all there.
1: I'm scared. I'm scared. Um, so in this podcast, we always ask everybody what makes you belly laugh. Uh, so what makes you? Are you like I said? Whenever I see you, have a smile on your face. <laughs> but what makes you completely lose it
2: laughing? Oh my god! Um, practical jokes make me lose it. Um, <laughs> um, every day. Um, like people. I know this sounds really not terribly compassionate, but like when people fall or slip. Oh, it's my favorite. So one of my favorite things to watch, the boys and I watch something and we watch something on YouTube. I think it's called Football Foul Ups. And it's just these endless clips of, you know, someone lining up the game (laughs) shot and then like falling, you know, head over heels as they're about to kick it or, you know, bouncing (laughs) their head off a goalpost or, you know, anything. We sit and roar with laughter (laughs) watching over (laughs) and over again, I you know, and I grew up in Canada and watching people slip on the ice. I know as long as they didn't hurt themselves, as long as they didn't break an arm or, you know, you know, just that type of stuff in life is always incredibly funny. Um, I, have a, I have a video on my phone um, mm-hmm. that I love to watch where Zachary a few years ago on a post-it note put kick me on it and then stuck it on my back. And then he thought he was doing something that I'd never heard of before and that it was so clever. And I filmed him as he was like setting this all up and I kept my kept filming him. And then he said, Papa, look at the note on your back. And of course I knew what it was. And I acted horrified and surprised. He rolled around on the kitchen floor and laughed. Like I've never heard a laugh like it in my life for a good solid five minutes. He thought it was the funniest, funniest <laughs> thing. And so seeing someone else lose it like that, like to just laugh so uncontrollably also just sends me off. I, I love watching that kind of thing. So when I have a... A, d- a down date, I pull that video out and it always makes me howl. <laughs> do
1: you know what? You're a man after my own heart. You love the musicals. You love the movies. You uh, you like to play Uno and you laugh when people fall over on the ice. There is nothing that makes me laugh more. <laughs> so
2: it sounds so I- cool and insensitive, but I saw a lot of it growing up in Canada and it, oh. it, is, it is funny.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. And I always, I do the same as you. I always say, but I always say to people when they ask me, I say, yep, yeah, so long as they're OK. But then I, I or somebody walking into a tree. There is nothing funnier than somebody walking so into a tree. Hilarious. It just sounds so cruel. Hilarious it sounds funny. so cool. <laughs> um, oh, my darling. Thank you so much. It's so lovely. Go. I just there's one thing I do want to talk about um, before we go is about because the thing that that. Uh, that brought us together through lovely Russell yeah. was um, uh, It's a Sin. And w- when you stood up and you, you uh, when Ollie and Elton did the song together and you stood up and you made that incredible speech and that TV show, I think has been one of the most powerful. I, I, you mentioned Pose as well, which I absolutely love. And I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Billy. I just want to meet him. Um, but Billy Porter is just, oh my God, he's heaven.
2: Yeah. The, the fact, I mean, I, I, we've been talking with Ryan Murphy about it. Um, He's, you know, such a talented, talented um, filmmaker. He, he, it's the only project he did where he wasn't able to get a network commission up front. He had to fund and finance the pilot himself before he could get a commission. And the reason was he was so determined to work with, a, you know, an authentic trans cast. Yeah. And that meant working with people who weren't experienced actors, Weren't public names weren't weren't you know that known and, and to me one of the things that makes that series work so well is just the humanity of the performances. I think what trans people have to face in the world today, I think those people are so incredibly brave. I think what the, what they have to come up against, um, you know, it takes real courage um, to 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 live your life as honestly and as authentically as you can when you're in that situation. And so for me, pose just the humanity of that was incredible, but, but it's a sin. Um, Yes, it did bring us together through Russell. I just thought, you know, again, what a, what a powerful, powerful reminder of how bleak it once was uh, in, in at the beginning of the, of the AIDS epidemic and, and just a, you know, a real, a real sobering reminder of, of, how hard how hard it was and and hopefully makes people appreciate the- and and gives them hope with the extraordinary progress that that we've made today and not forget the people who who you know died such horrible horrible deaths you know there was so much stigma, there was so much isolation, there was so much prejudice you know that the the scene in it's a sin where the the family you know just basically takes the the one son. He dies. His friends have no opportunity to comfort him or to, to, you know, support or to grieve. And they just take all of the belongings from his flat in London and burn them in the back garden. I mean, that that is not dramatization. That sort of thing happened time and time again. There was so much horrendous, horrendous stigma around around AIDS at that time. It's got miles better you know we're here in the uk and and in other parts of the world but we still have a lot of work to do in other parts of the world
1: uh, and you carry on doing what you two do and and all the people as well um, uh, just just carry on doing it because it's it's amazing what you do and when I saw the numbers you know four hundred and fifty million pounds raised yeah. over over five million lives that you've saved just what an incredible thing that you do. So, uh, David, my love to Elton. I wish his um, new hip a, a, a <laughs> lovely life inside him. And um, a, and uh, one day we'll walk down the street, we'll play Uno, we'll watch yeah. a movie, and uh, we'll go to Wagamamas with the boys. How about that? I
2: love that. They love Wagamamas.
1: I thought they would. I just had a feeling. Gabby,
2: yeah, I've enjoyed this so much. I've really enjoyed talking with you. And, and, you know, from the first time I saw you on television, you've always just had this friendliness and kindness and... and uh warmth about you so I, I I felt the same over Zoom today
1: <laughs> Oh bless you it's such a pleasure have a great evening and hopefully see you soon loads of
2: love all the best lots of love
1: thank you so much for listening coming up next week actor Yuan Rion That Gabby Roslyn podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions music by Beth Macari. could you please tap the follow or subscribe button and thanks so much for your amazing reviews we honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.